0: It's interesting to see in a focus group when you have people who do not know each other,
1: oh, seated they across, the, across the table.
0: Absolutely, they found their tribe, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, well,
2: that's right. And that
0: makes for um, it can really enrich the overall tenor of the conversation. That there's, um, you know, the, the, that um, there's nuance there and shared connections, and I think the conversation goes different places there that otherwise the facilitator wouldn't have been able to extract.
2: I'm Julia Prince. I'm Pam Fitzgerald, and we're with the Ivy Group.
1: Today, we're talking about the role of focus groups with Ellen Robertson. She is one of our in-house library consultants.
2: Hey, Ellen. Thanks for walking down
0: the hall and joining us. (laughs) Thanks for getting me out of my office.
2: (laughs) Glad to be here. Over the years, we have conducted focus groups all over the country with many kinds of organizations, and you have been engaged in many of those projects. Regardless of the size, or their location or the kind of organization. There are some principles that, that can be applied in any context. And and I'm hoping that through the course of our conversation, we can assist libraries who are considering focus groups as part of their, their research strategies. So do you want to begin with maybe a definition?
1: The obvious first question. <laughs> <Yeah>. What's <laughs> a focus group? What is a focus, focus group? group right?
2: <laughs>
0: I think of a focus group as a collection of, shall we say, like-minded individuals, preferably in person on a particular topic or a focused issue among people who are familiar with that topic or issue, and who can speak about it in a controlled condi- in controlled conditions, according to a
1: predetermined discussion guide, for the purpose of collecting information on a particular
2: specified topic, facilitated by an individual who has both the skills and the experience to listen and to respond appropriately and to ask the questions the right way. Um, they're also not.
0: Uh, a conversation, in the sense that a conversation is casual, and the conversation goes wherever the conversation may go. Um,
2: There's scripted conversations. Can I can I call them scripted? I think that's a good way of describing them. For example, I know uh, we've conducted focus groups with teens, and that <laughs> yes, always fun. That is a <laughs>
1: called teens. <I> don't, <laughs> don't call yes. them teens. Yeah, I don't
2: know what can we call them then. At, we at call, them we, we call them teens. We let teens. them know They that don't call them themselves teens. teens. Right.
1: Younger adults.
2: Younger adults, <laughs> right? Yeah. The Y the yeah. YA crowd. And their, their participation is really focused around issues that are of relevance to them. To them, right. Whereas we could do it, for example, with business owners. A library is thinking of, of expanding its entrepreneurial um, uh, services. So you bring people in who are, you know, with startups, entrepreneurs, and you begin to test with them what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Another one might be uh, parents of young children. They come in and they have very specific perspectives on what the library can do to better serve uh, their families? I think it's been interesting
0: in a, in a few projects that I recall that, just just to use your example, parents of young children. We know that that's, uh, that's the group that's in the room. We begin having the conversation about why do you use the library? Uh, what are you looking for the library to provide? What are you satisfied with here? I have found there are those situations where even when we're dealing with who we think are knowledgeable users in a situation, a focus group can often be a a forum for almost some promotion of services that are offered because inevitably you will have come out of someone's mouth. You do that? I didn't know you did that. Where there's an educational component there at the same time, so there's a provision of information to the participants there as well as they are um, sharing information with us. It can be promotional. It's it's two-way. It's two-way street sometimes.
1: Alan, I'm going to put my my research analyst hat on and go back to what you said. Uh, back in your definition of focus group and how it can be used, you, you used the word test, right? We're, we're testing assumptions, perhaps. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the limitations of how things can be tested in a focus group? I'm basically leading you to...
0: She's leading is, the witness.
1: I'm leading the witness to... <laughs> Are they statistically significant?
0: Ooh, shit, that was a big lead, Julia. Yes, and I, it was very strong. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gotten there. So uh, I'm going to meet you where, you where you led me. No, they are not statistically significant. And in saying that, what I mean is it, focus groups um, are what we consider qualitative research or anecdotal information because they're, it's primarily conversationally. It's conversation-based. Um, in the context of... Let's just talk about focus group recruitment um, to introduce that that um, uh, concept. When we are going to be conducting focus groups, typically, we will rely upon the organization to recruit people to attend
2: the, those to, because they know people who are most familiar with the organization they're, right. they're a
0: trusted source as well right. Yeah. Say.
2: right right so you can
1: come into our building you can be in the space that we've provided you know who we
0: are right yeah you 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 want or you expect that the people who are participating in a focus group are knowledgeable about what you want to talk to them about so who better in a library situation to know who's knowledgeable about Pam, to your point, children's programs, but people who regularly attend them. So the library staff often will perform the recruitment function for us to ensure that the people in the room are knowledgeable about the topic that we're going to be but discussing. But to go back
2: to, to Julia's point, that means that they are, they are not objective. They are There's, not statistically reliable yeah. because... We're getting people who are basically voicing opinions. Right. We, and so, so the issue about them is we're really using them to either confirm what we've heard elsewhere or to actually set the stage for quantitative research that follows where we hear things within these focus group rooms that we can later refute or affirm quantitatively. Right.
1: We are testing what we know in the broadest sense of the word, yep. test, Yeah. Test. And gathering ideas uh, that perhaps wouldn't have occurred to us on our own for that later quantitative research.
0: Right. And um, people will come and participate in one of these group discussions. They essentially self-select to participate. They're already known by the organization. Mm-hmm. They've agreed
2: to show up and they know they why. Have,
0: we have not sat down with, haha, the phone book or done man on the street on the corner, you know, stopping people to randomly select people from the, the population to participate. Now, that's a grade. little
2: different, for example, from consumer research, where if you're testing something with a wider consumer base, you don't necessarily have to have folks who are quite as familiar with the product because you're really testing other assumptions. What other, do you think of this packaging? <laughs> yeah, exactly, Very different. you know, and so yeah. then it's a, a question of listening to them in terms of what's presented to them. But when you're asking people to come in with prior knowledge. That's more what happens in the library realm. And what we can expect to learn from them largely is limited to their experience. Right,
0: right. And probably in, across the, the broad expanse of all the research methodologies that are out there, I- if I may, the biggest probably ding against focus groups is you're only going to be metaphorically preaching to the choir you will not have non-users choir, You right. will not have non-users in the room speaking from that perspective because why would somebody take their own time and go to participate in a discussion about something
1: that they know nothing about? What would you uh, even have to learn from them? Right.
0: Why would I even why 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 would the, the library potentially care in that way? Or um, why would somebody agree to participate?
2: So that? what's really interesting is sometimes folks don't make the distinction between a focus group and, let's say, a town hall. They s- think of them in, uh, you know, mm, sometimes I've heard them mm-hmm. used interchangeably. interchangeably. They, want to, they
1: want to take it to the people, but they don't know what's the best way to, right. ta- to take it to the people or mm. quite literally invite the people in.
2: Right. And a town hall is is quite different.
0: I think it probably depends on if you, what, what do you want to know, um, how specific your sort of lens of focus is. Uh, town halls being open and available to anyone who will respond to your community promotion that this is happening. It's a very inclusive opportunity to participate. It's more general. It's not screened in a way. Anybody who would like to participate in a planning project, whether you know much about the library or don't know much about the library, welcome to attend. For focus groups, haha. The word focus is in there. They are more targeted and directed to a specific segment. Highly
2: scripted, highly scripted. And scripted,
0: right, but a segment of the usership rather than a more broad compilation. Now, it doesn't
2: mean that a, a facilitator for town hall doesn't have a thought about the progression of the questions, how they should be phrased, how to engage people, how to make sure that everybody in the room has the opportunity to be heard, that kind of thing. But it is... Less, you have less control in a town hall. Mm-hmm. It's
1: great PR. Is it perhaps more of a PR exercise than yeah. a fact-finding exercise yeah. or an opinion-seeking exercise.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean to be cynical about it, but it gives the appearance of inclusivity. Well, but authentically it, so. Uh, yes. Well,
0: you are invited to attend. Come one, come all. Right. And you know when you think about it, I mean, what? In terms of a focus group, once you have more than... 12 people, 12 may even be pushing it, 12 max for, it, for a tightly scripted, controlled, yet open conversation. Um, in terms of community, community input and, your, and the, the population participating in your planning effort, if you're only doing focus groups, say you're doing two focus groups, three focus groups, well then, you know, at, at 10 people max...
2: How many people are you really How many from?
0: people are you tapping into your community to have a voice in it? Whereas from a publicity, PR, transparency, inclusion uh, standpoint, a town hall is the library is opening itself up
2: to, as you said, come one, come all. You know, it's Different also a matter, space. in a town hall, you have people who are really irritated with you show up.
1: We've <laughs> all seen Parks and Rec, right? <laughs>
2: We know, we right. know we, how we, we, those town halls that go. That's right. That's right. And you don't have control over that. It doesn't mean that you don't want to hear negative stuff in a focus group. It's just that the audience is more controlled. It's, uh, uh Less know. opportunity
0: for flamethrower, I guess, to, uh, to show up. Absolutely, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, somebody who's there to... Make a statement. What right. about right. the
1: collaboration component as well? Part of the point of a focus group being to get the different participants to interact, lead each other down paths that that maybe they wouldn't have been able to go down in a in a straight one-on-one interview. In a town hall, there's much less room for that type of collaboration.
0: Because mm-hmm. because because there's potentially um, less connection, mm-hmm. less commonality um, across the across the board. Well,
2: it's not just that; it's pr- it's almost performance right you get a, you're at a town hall let's say they're even passing a mic around all of a sudden you know you have people who stand up and have well prepared questions others who are less prepared but it's not the way people six or eight people in a room are eyeball to eyeball and and part of mm-hmm. the value is their response to each other mm-hmm. the discussion especially around areas of common interest become very very interesting and the nuances can be fleshed out town hall meeting no no more broad
0: strokes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see in a focus group when you have people who do not know each other Oh, and seated they across, the, and bond. across the table. Absolutely, they found their tribe, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, well, that's right. And that makes for um, it can really enrich the overall tenor of the conversation. That there's um, you know the, the, that that um, there's nuance there and shared connections, and I think the conversation goes different places there that. Otherwise, the facilitator wouldn't have been able to extract, you know, or lead them. And a really
2: skilled facilitator in a focus group, it makes it possible for the purpose, the script to flow, to manage the flow of the conversation. In a town hall, what did you call them? Flamethrowers? (laughs) Flamethrowers. Yeah, can take everybody off base. And all of a sudden, you have people reacting to the last thing that was said. It's much harder to maintain. And I don't mean to suggest a town hall should be tightly controlled, but... You want at least the questions that you want to ask. You want to be able to ask them. And you want to make sure that there is lots of opportunity for everybody to answer them.
1: Walk in with your eyes wide open to a town hall and know what you're there for.
2: Yeah, yeah. For what you are there. Yeah, (laughs) right. And you never know. You never know what you don't know, right? When we conduct focus groups, I know that uh, we're always asked, how many should we do? Oh, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) It always depends.
0: Yeah, and and when someone asks asks that, they hate when that that's the answer. But you know, it depends. Yeah. yeah.
2: How many
1: questions do you have? How many areas are you investigating? Right.
2: My experience has been largely. (laughs) you don't keep conducting them until you get the answers you want to hear. Instead, I think it's almost like triangulation. I've noticed that you conduct a first focus group with a specific targeted group, and you learn all sorts of new things. And then the second focus group, you might hear some other new things. The third one tends to confirm what you heard in one and two or refute what you heard here or there. It's a nice form of triangulation. I think any more than that. You tend to hear the same thing over and over again, but I can see you're looking at me a little strangely. Yeah, this. I'm, I'm,
0: I want to go back to the it depends. Okay. Um, yes, if you are talking about multiple focus groups for the same topic,
1: group, topic audience, group, yeah. Three groups of teams, um, yeah, sure. for example.
0: Right. Um, I think the furrowed brow that you were, you were seeing in me is um, referencing that project we did some time ago in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. When we did <laughs> what, eight focus groups, but with different language or ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. So it was very important from the library's perspective in that part of the world to be sure it had a sense of how it was serving the Chinese community, the French Creole community the Haitian community, yeah. um, the Russian community. Um, so that's, you know, we did multiple focus groups across those segments um, on the same topic, but the, the individuals there were coming from a, a socially disparate That background. was so,
2: so interesting because we, we actually were uh, sort of teasing out the cultural the issues cultural around the service issues, right? Yeah. So that one, thankfully, <laughs> we haven't done
0: multilingual groups since then. The the complexity of that um, was such that we didn't hear the same thing. You're right across the there, board. there were nuances we, we, with, all the time. Those. That was you know that was different. Um, but yeah, to the point: three teen groups, three seniors groups. Um, three is about the time you'll you'll have a sense of the the main the main nuggets of the, of the so, feedback. So,
2: what do you think should a librarian facilitate her or his? Customer focus groups. I feel self-serving, saying <laughs> no,
0: but um, but I say no because um, I would assert that he or she is too close, too close to the subject matter, the place. I think it's difficult to turn off that part of the brain that tells you, I know my customers.
2: I know. Uh, there's also I- that temptation I- to I- sort of right. respond, right?
1: mm mm-hmm. Defend.
2: Defend. Mm-hmm. Defend.
1: Well, I'm thinking as a participant, what I feel comfortable giving the honest feedback that I want to give, particularly negative feedback mm-hmm. directly to the face of someone who represents the institution that I'm critiquing, I think it would be very limiting in terms of the information that you collect from these conversations if a representative of the library
0: is actually in the room. That's right. so true. That is true. You feel a lot... Um, safer's not quite the right word. I only but you feel just com- more free. More free, you know, telling it like it is. I only feel comfortable insulting you behind your back, Alan. You know, I, <laughs> I don't want to say it to your face.
2: But you know, it's it's interesting. This goes to who does facilitate. And we've talked about this, I know, in the past, where a recorder is always a nice idea, but what we're really talking about is a facilitator and then or a moderator and somebody who is an assistant moderator that enables The one individual to be looking eyeball to eyeball to people as they talk and to respond and have a conversation, and a second individual to actually be listening and watching. Let the moderator
1: moderate. That's a full-time responsibility in the room. Yeah. Let the assistant take notes, pick up on themes, ask the follow-up questions at the end, etc. cetera.
2: Right, because the moderator's really into the flow of the conversation, whereas the assistant is really into making sure that all the boxes have been checked. Have we really covered this angle? Is there is something we haven't explored? And the moderator also has to be really skilled at answering, asking the questions the right way. You know, um, I think, uh, for example, the, the most obvious one is never ask a yes-no question. The assistant, the uh, assistant to the moderator, the second individual in the room is the person who can actually catch that and tease out where perhaps the answer didn't fully meet the needs um, of the questioner.
1: To moderate a focus group is not to read from a list of questions that have been prepared. So, not just anyone can can jump in and facilitate because truly it is a facilitation and not a question and answer.
2: I wonder how often this happens. I know it's happened to us that we actually go off script because something so important and compelling has come up that we have to explore it. I'm taking issue
1: with the word script too.
2: I know that's what yeah. we call it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really discussion. Guide. It's a guide. It's yeah. A guide. yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you corrected me on that.
1: A guide gives us the freedom to pursue other paths, <laughs> as you say, go off script. That's okay. It's encouraged.
2: So we say, I mean, I think there are lots of positives to this. I think there are some negatives, too. And it worries me sometimes that um, when I think about focus groups, that I'm always thinking about the opportunities they afford, I'm not as sensitive to how it can actually shape my opinion as a researcher in a way that makes it more difficult for me to later step back and do a more objective assessment.
1: It's so much easier for us to remember the quotable things that are said. And we we do, to your point, have to step back and remind ourselves – was that the feel of the group? Was that what we heard again and again? And we stumble across this in online surveys as well where we dive into those open ends. And we always remember the people who talk about, oh gosh, I had to wait five months for that book I wanted.
2: <laughs> right. Just
1: because someone complains the loudest or celebrates the loudest doesn't mean that
0: they've they've captured uh, the will of the group. But or I'm glad, use, I'm, or uses the zippiest language. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's memorable is not often
2: the most representative of the full tone. But it does give color and texture, and it's always fun to grab those quotes later. Use and that what, weakness to our
1: advantage. We know that we'll remember the quotes, it, so right? let's take advantage of But They also them.
2: plump up reports and give, you know, especially if if the quote is is in conversation, a conversational language or it's somehow it's a pithy kind of comment that summarizes a whole lot of other comments or, or research that, that we've found. It's a, a
1: minus of a focus group that can also be a positive.
2: Ab- uh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: What are other limitations that we should keep in mind as we conduct these focus groups? Ah,
2: the individual dominates conversation. One of the real challenges for a moderator, you can't foresee if you're going to have a quiet little mouse in the corner who never speaks. And it's really the the moderator's responsibility to make sure that everybody in the room has an opportunity to participate. And that and not only is it is it that one person can be the loudest voice, but also they can sway. The whole conversation. They
1: can shut things down really quickly. Really
2: fast. Yeah, yeah. It's a negative that sometimes makes the whole exercise very difficult.
1: And why perhaps you'd want to do three focus groups. I know we said, well, three, we start to hear the same things. Well, if number one was dominated by a flamethrower.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or if if you have a room full of very quiet people. Mm -hmm. The other thing to think about when you have these people in the room is we don't know what their relationships, and I don't mean that they know each other outside the group, but when somebody walks in the room, the way they're dressed, the way they present themselves, all those factors lead people to characterize or stereotype them. We don't know to what extent somebody might feel intimidated. Or somebody might feel that they have to patronize or overexplain. The relationships between people within the room can often reflect larger societal <laughs> prejudices and attitudes and uh, interactions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or, I mean, it, it, typically
0: at the beginning of these sessions, we introduce ourselves and we have everyone go around the room. Tell us your name. Tell us what you do. You know, depending on somebody's role what they say their professional role is or whatever, that can shut down people in the room. Oh, wow. This person, (laughs) this person is... You're a rocket scientist and I work, you know, (laughs)
2: at the the assembly, on the assembly line. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it can be... Although that's where good recruiting and and smart recruiting comes into play.
1: Even with the best recruiting, though, there's still the challenge with focus groups of actually being able to bring people together in one space. I don't want to get too deep into the operations of a focus group, but I do think it's important for us to recognize that when you have an ask of, I, I want you to to come into the library, park there, right? How, how often do we hear about parking being an issue? Uh, and, and give us an hour of your time at this you know, physical location. That's certainly going to impact the types of people that are able to participate, especially time, time of, of day, day, yeah, and day mm-hmm, of yep. the
2: week. Yeah, yeah. But it's important when you think of, especially in terms of strategic planning. Mm-hmm. And by the way, focus groups can be used for a variety of product and service line offerings. They can have to do with um, developing whole new uh, outreach initiatives. Uh, there are lots of ways in which focus groups can be useful. They're particularly useful in strategic planning, but they are not necessarily the soundest basis for really hard decisions. They lay the groundwork. They help you establish the context and, you know, give you a sense of what themes should be explored in subsequent research.
1: Pam and Ellen, you've you've conducted quite a few focus groups lately. Any funny stories to share? Helpful tales from the
2: road? <laughs> wow. Golly, that's a good question. Well, I do, I do think that when you conduct them with uh, different ethnic groups, you're not prepared sometimes for h- how you're treated. Uh, I, this sounds stereotypical, but uh, a focus group I did with a Hispanic group from a particular country, I, I by the time I left, I thought there, I was their, like, long-lost sister. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. Very uh, collaborative environment. Right, and it just might have been that group, but I got this I got this really strong sense of the culture, and I want to contrast that with another ethnic group that, whom I will not name that I went in there, and I didn't feel that way at all. It was much more formal. It was a culture that didn't necessarily volunteer information. It was a group that didn't volunteer information. A little more guarded. More guarded, right? And um, and that's
0: tough. That's, but when you have the cultural piece, that's a whole other ballgame. Right. But I'm thinking about a, a focus group that that you and I uh, jointly facilitated this past spring. And um, oh yeah, I two, remember now. Two back to back. One was very lively. No one in the room knew each other until they entered the room, but there were synergies between participants and commonalities and relationships were formed and so forth. And then the second one, crickets wow. chirping. Oh. Um, the work you had to do in that focus group just to water the group <laughs> to get them to, I don't know if it was because it was late in the day. It was the second one, so it was about 6.30 at night. Yeah. Um, tough commute for people, but there's, I recall you kept a- asking the, the the big takeaway question repeatedly, repeatedly, In different and, ways, uh, and yeah, it didn't from different, different
2: angles and ha- at
0: different it points. Didn't happen. Didn't, didn't happen. didn't happen. Right. Um, so I don't know that if that was particularly Julia a, a funny story, but it was you know we were dancing.
2: It was a <laughs> <And> learning <laughs> experience. Was, nobody yeah, was coming yeah. to the party. I mean, bring the hook. <laughs> we should have been hauled out of okay. there because we weren't. It, it just wasn't. It wasn't happening.
0: I had forgotten. And the it. same question had been fielded easily. The previous group.
2: Yeah. And so it, sometimes you just you just don't you just don't know. You don't know. You right. Don't and it might have been that we were asking the wrong questions. You know, we, well, we didn't really look at the discussion guide after that to really say did, were we asking the right questions. Well it I'm, sounds like you didn't have trouble the first time though. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. I believe I, the group.
1: I think Always expect one round of duds. I
0: recall right. by virtue of the fact that we couldn't get an answer to that particular question, answered the question.
2: Yeah, that's right. No, Their inability to answer, that's absolutely right. Their inability to answer that question indicated what they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was a real, it, yes. Indicated a real um. Area of concern in that particular institution's framework. Now, here's a focus group I didn't conduct, but I know um, my partner Nancy conducted, uh, and everybody in it was much, much older. It had to do with uh, rehabilitation services, and it had to be at breakfast, and it, you had to serve them breakfast. I mean, this was sort of the the environment. The price which, of admission, yeah, sort and of this thing had to do with like how that? to recruit and who to recruit, and et cetera, et cetera. And she had individuals in the room who couldn't hear. Uh, That was a challenge. There was a lot of repeating, a lot of, uh, and people had to get up from time to, I mean, they were very elderly, get up from time to time, use the facilities. That was a real challenge. A specific group with physical limitations and some needs that, over which she had absolutely no control. And I remember it went on much too long because It took that long. It took that long. It took that long.
0: Yeah. When you reference those sort of logistical challenges in execution, or to Julia's point, the difficulty in recruiting people to come to the library Mm -hmm. physically at a certain time, maybe they need to get a babysitter, maybe they have to get off work. I've been asked before at the end of a project, after the completion of focus groups, why did you do focus groups? You only conducted two or you only conducted three did you consider conducting online-type mm-hmm. forums to not only have more people have the opportunity to participate, but el- eliminate some of those barriers to participation, mm-hmm. transportation, and time, and so forth? It's an interesting concept, particularly now, you know, what isn't there a technology for that can bring people together? And there are focus
2: group. that the, you can do online They on can the focus be done group. like that. I think eyeball-to-eyeball...
0: And th- and that difference. I would—that's been my answer—is what you lose in the inherent with the inherent value of face to face, the interaction between people, the body language, the eye contact, the commonality of, of shared experience. I I don't think they can be the same. I don't think they can have the same accomplished um, end result remotely or through technology.
2: So, focus groups invaluable tool in the right circumstances, well executed, and in the context of other research that really can solidify quantitatively what you heard.
1: Let's bring people together through focus groups.
2: Well, we've done it, we'll do it again. We'll do it again.
1: (laughs) Focus groups, the great uniters,
0: no? We'll work on a better tagline for focus groups. Yeah, get to your office on that.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Advancing America's Libraries. If you have any topic requests, tweet us at Ivy Group or email contact at ivygroup.com. We're going to be at the Public Libraries Association Conference in Nashville. Come say hello.